3: This is Peacock. I love it! It's
1: streaming your favorite shows. Movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals. It's The Office. That's what she said. Chrisley Knows Best. It's gonna be Todd's Way or the Highway. And Peacock original shows like Punky Brewster.
0: Holy mackinoli.
1: So whether you're in the mood for every live WWE pay-per-view or every episode of Law & Order SVU,
2: Peacock's got you covered. Peacock. Watch for free. Upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com.
1: This is Dave Hanredy and there will be No Popcorn. Welcome to episode 28 of the No Popcorn Music and Movies podcast. That's an absolute banger called Last Christmas, about an absolute clanger called Last Christmas, which is a film from 2019, which we'll be talking all about. It was chosen by one David Higgins, who joins me now. Season's
2: greetings to you, David.
1: Yeah, it's all very festive. Thanks very much. I really do appreciate it. Norma Howard, are you feeling the Christmas cheer over there? I was
3: like panned, like <laughs> season's greetings ever. Um, yes, hello, hello. How are we? We're back to talk about films.
1: Yeah, we are. Uh, can we just be honest about your low energy, Higgs? That you might be a little bit, a little bit the worse for wear today. Well, as the
2: it is the Christmas season, and and and, and with Christmas becomes you know uh, nights of excess, and I'm I'm currently. Had two in a row, so not feeling great today, but obviously very energised by getting to talk about Last Christmas.
1: Yeah, well I would hope so, and we'll talk about that very soon, but first, what we've been watching, and it's a rare occasion when all three of us have watched the exact same film for once, and a new film at that, and that film of course is Mank, the Netflix slash also kind of in the cinema, David Fincher film um, about the making of Citizen Kane. Higgs and I went to the cinema together, what did you think of the experience, David Higgins?
2: Um, well, the experience was, it was great to be back in the cinema, obviously, because I hadn't been since we had been, uh, the last time I was in the cinema was also with you and we went to see Tenet and it had been a couple of months. So um, very nice to be in the cinema on a Sunday afternoon with the uh, the flask of, of uh, Bailey's coffee, you know, just feeling good. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I liked Manc. Um I wasn't completely bowled over by it. Um, I found it a very... A very interesting time and a very um, interesting kind of subject. And I I enjoyed everything that was going on in the studio system. I liked um, how it, you know, it was quite a topical film for um, today, even where you have media kind of interfering uh, with, you know, political elections and yeah, so very enjoyable, it looks amazing, looks uh, like the, the cinematography is gorgeous, costumes are like just so pleasant to look at, it. everything about it, um, as in terms of performances, I kind of had issues with Gary Oldman, I always tend to kind of have issues with Gary Oldman, and I found the character of um, of Mank not all that interesting. Um, was like a good entry point to get into this world and i was kind of fascinated about everything on the periphery of it but in terms of like him convalescing in bed you know hammering away in a typewriter to to write citizen kane that didn't really work for me but you know across the board like the rest of the performances are all fantastic um you know particularly um Amanda Seafried, who is fantastic in it like so good Charles Dance is great and yeah just like the kind of lots of actors you've kind of never really seen before or like you're kind of maybe seeing for the first or second time Uh, the guy who played Louis B. Mayer was amazing so yeah I I kind of I'll I'll probably will revisit it but not for a while but I could I could have done with I was thinking a lot about Sicario after I saw it where it's kind of like um you know that I wish that they took the Sicario approach of kind of using Mank as your way in and then being like, oh, this movie is actually not really about Emily Lund's character at all. It's kind of just kind of goes off in the way and they use her as a way to bring you into the world. I kind of wish they did that a bit more with Mank because I didn't find him all that dynamic a person. But um, great to be back in the cinema. <laughs> it certainly was. Uh, Norm Harrod, what did you think of the film?
3: Um, so I did not watch it in the cinema. Uh, I watched it at home on Netflix. I don't know, I don't feel like if I saw it in the cinema, it would have made me engage with it more or enjoy it more. I thought it was like fine. It, it did look beautiful and the performances were really great, which I think saved it a bit. But I just found they took like really, really interesting, like you said, Higgs, really, really interesting subject matter and just made it like very boring unless you actually had context for that time and who the people were and what the politics was like I don't think they did a very good job of inviting you into the world and helping you to understand it unless you already had pretty good context for what was going on Um, definitely would help if you've seen Citizen Kane (laughs) to anyone who is planning on watching it there's like there's a lot of dialogue there's a lot of stuff that's said there's a lot of political things that are said there's a lot of like studio old hollywood names that are thrown around that you may not be like or obviously most people would be familiar with orson wells on some level but beyond that there are like s- smaller characters that people i don't know i feel like it's a it's a film for film people for people who know quite a bit who really enjoy that kind of thing and i found like Again, to agree with Higgs, like Mank was himself was just not a very nice or interesting character. He was meant to be like this real clever guy. And yet it just never felt like he was actually really saying clever things. And he was just very gross for a lot of (laughs) the thing. And I was just like, I could not want to watch you less right now. I would rather focus on any of the other characters that are happening. Lily Collins does a really nice job of a really tiny throwaway part, essentially. Um, There's a lot of peripheral characters who you don't get much context for. They add in a few lines and then they're kind of done by the end of it. Um, Yeah, like it does look beautiful and it was it was fine. It'll pass the time.
1: I thought it was an absolute mess and it's like I it was a project I was cold on when I first heard of it which is I guess somewhat unusual because I really like David Fincher but I was just like who is this for and I know the whole backstory like his dad wrote the script and obviously like Netflix he's in bed with them and they must have been like what do you want to do and he was like I don't know this personal passion project that no one else is letting me do let's do that instead let's kill a mind hunter an okay show but you know slightly more compelling than this. I just thought it was like from structure, all the flashbacks, it was so messy, there's no obvious through line. I thought it was really smug, I thought it was really proud of itself, I thought it was really vainglorious and boring as fuck. I mean, Jesus Christ. I was just like, this is so dull. I was like, this is this is exactly what I feared it would be. I don't find Mank interesting. I don't even think the story, I'm like, listen, I'm like, I'm a writer, like, you know, like I'm a creative person, but like, I don't know if we need this film. I don't know if like this story is so interesting that it's told.
2: Yeah, well, I kind of, I, I can see where you're coming from there. Um, It's just a, it's an era that I'm really interested in. Um, You know, the kind of the, the politics of the studio system, you know, I think it's been done better, like uh, something even as recent as the Coen brothers, Hail Caesar, which was kind of. You know, a moderate failure on their part, but I think it's a, it's a movie that kind of grows um, the more you watch it. But, you know, the idea that everyone, even before kind of McCarthyism, was trying to out each other as a socialist. So I thought the 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 kind of the, the gubernatorial race was was really, really interesting. And I kind of like would have liked a movie about that where you, you get to still have, uh you know, you get to have Hearst, you get to have Louis Vuitton, you get to have all the other people in the studio system. And I found that interesting that, you know, there was obviously very kind of uh, deliberate ties in with like Elizabeth Warren politics and Bernie Sanders politics and, you know, wanting to end poverty. And it's like, is this such a radical idea? You know, they're arguing about it back then. And I actually kind of found it interesting in that um, when we were talking about There Will Be Blood, one of the things that I found great about it on the rewatch was how uh, Plainview was like basically using socialism to get capital capitalist gains and the guy who's running in uh, for the democratic uh, gubernatorial election in Mank is Upton Sinclair who wrote Oil which is what Dare We Blood is based on so that was nice
3: Um, I was just going to make like one weird little point and I feel like it's not good filmmaking if there's confusion on this there's like for the it's intercut with like flashback scenes so a little like typewriter thing will come up to be like this year flashback. But there were times where I I couldn't tell if it was a dream or not. There's one when he first, like, wakes up and he doesn't know where he is because he's drunk all the time, Um, as in Mank wakes up and he walks onto the film set with Marion and I was like, is this a dream? Why is no one stopping this man from wandering onto the film set? (laughs) Why why is everyone just like, oh, there's Mank? And it was just like it, it just like, I It just, it all, everything felt like a weird little anecdote. It didn't feel like those things were real or this person actually existed in this world and did these things. It was really, yeah, it was just tricky to go along with and get on board with, I think.
1: It's uh, it's probably going to win a bunch of Oscars, I guess. Um, which I, I guess in a limited in a limited year, I don't know. I'd be happy to see Amanda Seyfried win an Oscar, but I don't think it necessarily deserves anything else. Um, even my beloved Trent Reznor, and Atticus Ross, just like did like a pastiche score of the time, and I'm like. It's not for me. Um, someone who should probably be barred from the Oscars for his performance is Russell Crowe in Unhinged, which I got around to. Um, oh my God, man. Higgs, I know you've seen it already. This like this just made me miss our Tuesday night trash nights out to the cinema because this is the ultimate trash film of the year. I mean, it's bell to bell. I feel like it's 82 minutes, maybe even less. I think Actually, I think it's like something ridiculous, like 76 minutes before the credits are on screen. And... Uh, gross film in which Russell Crowe goes on a road rage rampage and tracks down a woman who cuts him off and proceeds to murder a lot of people in her life and try and kill her. Uh, it's brutal. It's disgusting. The more it goes on, the more the more outrageously gross it gets. And its politics as well are, are, are reprehensible. There's a bit at the end of the film which kind of like indicates that like it was her fault all along and it's just like Jesus Christ but also there's one bit as well Uh, it's in all the trailers which I didn't even realize because I hadn't seen them but like there's a bit where there's like a chase on a freeway or a highway and there's a bit where a cop car gets mashed by a truck and gets flattened like a pancake and I laughed so loud for about 30 seconds at this utter garbage I was watching. Uh, Can't recommend it in any way, but also I'm glad I saw it somehow, but it it kind of followed on from like watching some similarly uh, discomforting stuff like The People Under the Stairs, which is a Wes Craven film from 1991, which I'd never seen before. Um, I read about it, I knew about it, and it's too goofy to be scary, and it's just a, a, a ridiculous film in which like a couple of thieves get caught in a house and the house turns out is is a house of horrors but the really really interesting thing is that like the two people who live in the house and who are running this house of horrors are played by the same actors who play a husband and wife in Twin Peaks uh, Big Ed and Nadine and it's like this is like this wholesome couple uh, from Twin Peaks reimagined as an absolute horror uh, just a pair of psychopaths and there's even a bit where like uh, what's his name? I can't remember the guy who plays him. It was, it was going to drive me crazy. But like, oh, uh, Everett McGill. There's a bit where like, for no reason at all, he begins running around the house chasing people in a massive fucking diamond studded gimp suit while shooting a shotgun off the place. And I'm like, what am I watching? <laughs> like, what is this film? It's it's ridiculous.
2: I, oh, I, I just wanted to know... Uh... You know, does Nadine bump her head and get like superpowers? <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't I happen.
1: <laughs> Alas, no. But yeah, so like, I, and I watched uh, I watched Eyes Wide Shut there last night as well, the ultimate Christmas film. So, which I think is not, which thing is a near masterpiece. And I guess in amongst all that kind of grimness and darkness, I got around to Paddington Two, which was in fact an utter delight that broke me. Uh, the end of the film, no spoilers, but like, it, it, it the, the very very end of the film just made me like collapse into a river of emotions. I, I, I need another film with that bear and I need it immediately. Norma, what else have you been watching?
3: Um, so I started watching there's a new season of Big Mouth. If you're looking for something fun and fluffy, I love Big Mouth. I think it's great crack. You can't beat some lovely, fun cartoon about teenagers just learning to go through puberty. Um, I think I watched all of season, I think it's season four in about two days. So someone beat that record. Um, and then I also watched Kajillionaire which I was really really excited for. It's um it's from a writer called Miranda July. She wrote um she's a book of short stories and then a really really great novel called The First Bad Man and she's done a few films before, I think shorts and stuff like that. Um amazing writer like is absolutely fantastic. So I think this is her first feature film. Um, stars Evan Rachel Wood uh, and Gina Rodriguez and it was just very, very disappointing. I was so hyped to see it and it just, it starts off with a, a cool premise um, and just completely lost its way in the middle and by the end of it you're like, I don't really care about anyone. It was like, by the end of the film, utterly exhausting. Like it's, the premise of it is, Uh, Evan Rachel Wood plays a character called Old Dolio. And her parents have spent like 26 years raising her as a swindler. So they just scam people. They go around the place just scamming and trying to get as much money as they can. And then they meet Gina Rodriguez. They try to scam her, but then they end up becoming friends and sort of things start to lose their way. And it, yeah, it was just really, really disappointing. I was very excited for it because Miranda July is an excellent writer. So... um. Yeah, that may be making its way onto to our end of year list in the disappointment category. I'm not quite sure yet. Wow. Yeah. I
1: can't say it. Um, I I know she made a film years ago. I don't know if it was like a full film, but I, I, or maybe she just wrote it, but like, there was a film called Me and You and Everyone We Know years ago, and I couldn't fucking stand it. So maybe I need to check out the stuff you recommended there. But
3: yeah, like for anyone like listening, if you are, if you find Kajillionaire, boring or anything like that do read her books they're actually they're really she is a really really great writer I just think it was trying to pack too much into the film it kind of lost its way a little bit and then you end up sort of disengaging like there's a point where again I was just like picked up my phone and just checked Instagram and I was like what the fuck am I doing on Instagram (laughs) the (laughs) film is on Um, so yeah I don't know it was an okay way to pass the time but I mean yeah I was pretty pretty disappointed on that one
2: Higgs what else you got um, well, I've been in the in the Christmas season, so uh, I, I basically kind of every year kind of end up rewatching the same movie. So I got Eyes Wide 2 coming up this week, and had my my Carol rewatching my, you know, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So I won't really get onto them because I think I was probably talking about them before. I always try and get some new Christmas movies to see if there is anything that can go into the you know the Christmas canon. Uh, so far, no. I watched Fat Man. This is a uh, a grimy, dirty action movie where Mel Gibson plays kingle who lives in northern alaska and he has a contract taken out in his head by a you know a boy who doesn't get what he wants for christmas so the boy hires walton goggins uh to to track down santa and to kill santa um it kind of it's 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 not a it's not a Dynamic Pride or a David Gordon green movie but they were like the producers on it so like if you kind of think of that kind of irreverent humor you're kind of on the right track except you know I tend to quite like um their stuff uh this is not funny at all it's utter 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 nonsense um yeah Mel Gibson is just like this dirty filthy like you know his beard is just like in bits and you know this kind of you know santa's a a big jolly guy but like he's just this kind of like bloated movie when you meet santa first he's like just shooting beer cans out in the field it's like okay where are we going with this um it has a really strange subplot about the u.s military uh using santa's workshop to make weapons with the elves um yeah, you know, if you want to see Santa be executed in a movie, by all means, watch Fat Man. <laughs> otherwise, uh, I can't recommend it in any shape or form. Not even Walton Goggins, who i like, love. I could watch him in anything. Um, he's pretty terrible in this as well. A better movie, although not in the canon, is Happiest Season, which is um, a new movie by uh, Claire Duval starring uh kristen stewart and mackenzie davis as a couple um kristen stewart's yeah both parents are both dead she, she normally spends christmas alone and mackenzie davis is like oh come spend christmas with my family uh but by the way they don't know i'm gay and that you're my girlfriend um so it's like it's quite a it's quite a like a dated plot line like it's very kind of you know, like the birdcage kind of had, had a similar one, like her dad's uh, running for mayor. So he's kind of like, it's never said that he's, you know, on the Republican side of things, but it's kind of maybe implied. Um, So it gets away with it, though, because it acknowledges that it's kind of a very dated um kind of premise and, you know, acknowledges it and moves on from it. And it's quite good, uh, an amazing an amazing cast for like such a small movie uh, you also have Aubrey Plaza is great in it she's like a couple of scenes where she kind of basically steals the movie uh, Mary Steenburgen is like the mother the kind of busybody mother who's uh, really really funny in it you've got Victor Garber Alison Brie uh, Dan Levy is really really good in it as well um, The weak link is actually uh, Kristen Stewart Mackenzie Davis they don't really have uh, chemistry and you know by the end of it you're just like you're both with the wrong people in this movie but um you know, nice and cheerful. A very very easy watch. Um, would would recommend. And then one movie that's not uh about Christmas, but does have a scene at an office Christmas party where Santa Claus with a Lenin mask uh, sings the uh, you know Russian <laughs> or the, the national anthem of the Soviet Union. Um, the day of recording yesterday, John Carré died. I'm a massive massive fan of his. Um, all his books and. Um, for the most part, most of the adaptations that have been made, you know, he's quite lucky in that. Like, there's only been a couple of utterly terrible ones. Uh, Taylor Panama was pretty bad. And the uh, the Night Manager with uh, Tom, uh, you know, Charisma Vacuum Hiddleston in the lead. <laughs> was, Buried. A, was As he's
3: formerly known.
2: <laughs> <laughs> was, was terrible. But uh, so we went and went with a, a you know, a, an old, solid, uh, the Thomas Alfredson adaptation of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. A good Gary Oldman performance, his best performance. Uh, you know, Gary Oldman is like one of the, you know, one of the great ham merchants of Hollywood. Um, and in this, he's just like, he's so understated. He's such a good, a good smiley. Like he doesn't, he doesn't look like what you imagine George Smiley's supposed to be. But he he really gets to the kind of core of the 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 kind of impotent rage that is within smiley and how he uh is so cold and calculated Um the whole like, movie again is like it's such a ridiculously well cast movie even if um there are some ridiculous hair pieces i was uh sending some some pictures to <laughs> to you dave and and i was and very I was happy to receive them yeah <laughs> yeah uh tom hardy and uh and Benedict Cumberbatch, the uh, the main offenders. They do a good job with Mark Strong. They gave him a very nice hairpiece. Um, even, I think, I don't know if Colin Firth, if they gave him one, it kind of looks like it might be, but... Um, I don't it,
3: think I've ever seen a film where Mark Strong has hair. Well. He doesn't typically have hair, does he? No, he's, he's, he, no,
2: he's, a, he's, a, he's a proud bald man. There's um, <laughs> definitely uh, a couple, though. Probably early
1: 90s stuff whatever, like yeah, popping up in big he parts has,
2: along he the has, way. He has hair in fever pitch. Um, but yeah, Uh, just like a really amazing looking movie like um the 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 old bbc adaptation is amazing as well just because it's and its aesthetic is very just like drab ugly rooms and that's kind of what Lakari is but I, i like the i like the stylistic flourishes in this i like um in the circus they they kind of essentially like have their meetings in what are essentially like little kind of uh I don't know, like a little prefab kind of within, the, within these like massive open plan offices. It's just like very nice looking. Score is great and has a absolutely remarkable needle drop at the end of it. Uh, a Julio Iglesias song. Um, so yeah, I uh, would recommend yeah it's
1: a good film um, I remember a friend of mine said he walked out of it uh, it, it is one of the longest feeling two hour films of all time now uh, let's talk about a train wreck of a film though shall we the film that we're here to talk about today in which I feel like if I went to see it in the cinema I I, I don't think I would have walked out or anything uh, especially because I wanted to confirm how I guess my suspicions about it but um, this is last Christmas from last Christmas let's hit the trailer
0: it's good luck you know what is? On, my is?
3: I'm busy you're weird goodbye You've missed five doctor's appointments. Mum is scared.
0: So, uh, tell me about sleep. Uh, she oh, never sleeps. Exercise?
3: Really Not at
0: all. Alcohol? Oh, oh she's drinking
3: like the pirate. Well, okay, fine. Thank you, doctor. Thank uh, you so much
0: for your time. Practice. Let's go, mum. Oh. Whoa! <gasps> you! Again. What do you mean? Again. Did you follow me here? Are elves always so cynical? Yes. Relentlessly, these are dark times. I'm Tom. Kate. Last Christmas. Here we
3: are. this a bit where you murder me.
0: So, what is it that you do?
3: I sing. Oh,
0: it's amazing. Anyway, boring, boring, boring. I'm not bored. You are so strange. Where are you going? we in there. Well, you're not homeless. No, I volunteer here. <laughs>
1: Why didn't you just get Saint tattooed on your forehead? Oh, Electrochemistry, red hot comedy, unbelievable. Dave Higgins has left the room. I can only presume something's <laughs> at his door. Oh, he's getting a beer. Um, <laughs> what, I, what, I was like, what's, what's happened? happened? I was like, oh, he needs he needs to drink for this one night. He's had enough. He's back. What's the story? Dave Higgins. Um, the trailer
3: was that full on. <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it is a full on trailer. There's a lot happening in it. Um, you chose this film. Why did you choose
2: this film? And what is it all about then? um i chose this film because i wanted to do something christmas themed um, and there's not a lot of options uh, when it comes to the 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 rules that we apply for choosing no popcorns so i uh, also thought it'd be interesting to do our first uh movie that qualifies by the virtue of it being slightly based on a song not really based on a song based on one line on a song and even then maybe Perhaps interpreted incorrectly. Um, so yeah, this movie is Last Christmas. It is uh, uh, written by Emma Thompson. She wrote the story with her husband Greg Wise. She wrote the script with uh, Brioni Kimmings. It's directed by Paul Feig, who is a you know a very solid comedy director. Like it's this movie has caliber. Like Emma Thompson's like a an Oscar winning screenwriter. Uh, Paul Feig, you know, Bridesmaids, Freaks and Geeks. He's got like a very good resume um so yeah uh stars amelia clark who is uh you know post post game of thrones trying to find out what kind of uh what kind of actress she is and henry olding who has kind of had a you know a slight meteoric rise after his first role in crazy rich asians uh he appeared in this year's the gentleman a movie we both despised um <laughs> So yeah, it's a it's a it's a pretty simple kind of setup. It's it's a you know a, it's kind of a rom com you've seen before. Uh, we have we have our lead Kate, who's a you know an aspiring singer who works in this uh, you know. 365 day a year Christmas shop in Covent Gardens uh, clearly doesn't like it uh,
1: who the fuck would by the way that is like the idea of pure hell 365 like her character is meant to be this jaded cynic and I'm like yeah completely supported like I would go crazy if that was my job no question
2: yeah no I, I mean uh i know you're you're not the biggest christmas fan i I love christmas fan, christmas but even even I, who put his Christmas tree up on the thirteenth of November this year, would think that it would be too much <laughs> to to you know to have it uh, every day of the week but anyway she uh, yeah she's clearly not enjoying life um you know we know that she's a bit of a you know a kind of a, a train wreck because you know she might drink a little bit too much and you know she she's had more than two partners in this movie that we know of and um her her dress sense is you know incredibly erratic <laughs> um so anyway she she meets uh, this guy tom he seems kind of perfect he's he's a little bit weird he's kind of like Condescending. I feel like he negs her a lot. He he like likes to impart, uh, you know, sage advice at her. He kind of just shows up surreptitiously out of like nowhere. He always seems to be around. Go on. Dave. I mean,
1: you could make the argument that he's too good to be true. Um, and I should note that um, in this, I mean, I feel like with every film we, we spoil the films that we talk about. But if if for whatever reason, listener, you're clamoring to see this film and don't want it spoiled, turn off now because we will be discussing key plot points. In this movie, but first, um, will we take a listen to the first time they meet and just how electric it all is, please?
0: What Jesus, where'd you come from? Oh, what are you looking at? Look, look. there, you see it huh. just above the lip of the roof. There, it's quite unusual to see a bird like that in town. Blimey. Oh. Damn it. Here, yeah, I think it just pooed in your eye. Yeah, I think so.
3: Goodbye, my sorry. people. Where have you been? Oh, a shitting bird just shut my eye. Oh, is there a bird in here? No, some bloke was outside the shop playing silly buggers. Well, maybe you can focus your attention on the silly buggers inside the shop. Oh,
0: no. oh my phone. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, Yep, yeah. Jenna? yes. Thank you so much, thank you so much, thank you so much. I'll be with
1: you on Okay. Get now off the phone, Elf! Okay, I gotta go, bye. Yeah, I'm just gonna get the shit out of my eye. Oh. Okay, so yes, that's uh, your classic meet cute. Um, and yeah, it goes from there. They Like, you know, she's having a tough time in her life. She's got a strange family. Uh, you haven't mentioned her background yet, which is somehow key to this whole thing. Yes. But
2: not really at all. So, so the movie opens. I actually, I, I think it must have been a case of, like, I was opening my notes app on my phone, so I, like, I missed... The I'm assuming at the start of the movie it has a title card of like you know yeah the f- former Yugoslavia 1990 or whatever because I think
1: it just says Yugoslavia 1999. Okay, so
2: it's, yeah, we,
3: yeah, I think specifically 1999 because that's also incorrect
2: with later facts that are dropped <laughs> in the film. Yeah, so so the movie opens in a church that you know um. I can't say I've been to the former Yugoslavia, but I would imagine that their churches are a bit more what uh, churches in, you know, in Greece and Italy look like. This looks like a church in England. So I just I didn't twig this immediately. Uh, and also they they are all singing a George Michael song in a church. And I was like, oh, OK. So anyway, uh, Kate is actually Katarina. She and her family, her parents fled, uh, fled former Yugoslavia. Uh they've they've set up in England and um you know, they're, they're they're refugees there or and they have since kind of made their life there. Their kids have grown up, um and yeah, so that's that's an angle to this because uh, it it will it will kind of loop back around in this by trying to very, very, very clumsily tie in their lived experiences because this movie is also set in two thousand and seventeen you know one year after brexit
1: i mean invoking brexit as a plot point i i have a lot of problems with um particularly there's like a, a scene later on in the film not to jump around too much here but there's a bit later on in the film where like she's on a bus and i guess she's kind of like she's trying to like She's like doesn't really embrace her heritage too often. She's kind of like rebels against it. She does. She goes by Kate. She's got a thick English accent, and as opposed to her cartoon character mother played by Emma Thompson, where it's borderline. Like I'm, I'm like, is this okay? Uh, but like, there's a bit later on in the film where like there's a couple being racially abused on the bus, and she speaks to them in their native tongue to like put them at ease. But like, they get racially abused by this guy on the bus, who then like leaves and does the usual go back where he came from type thing. So in the credits, that man, that character, is listed as angry man on bus, not vile cretinous racist on bus, but angry man on bus. You know, like he's just making some points. You know, um, but you can't put that- you can't
3: put that on a CV. What's that man gonna uh, uh, do? <laughs> some of the
1: some of the credits I've seen, like like in in films, like I mean, I, I watched The Way of the Gun recently, which is not a very nice film, and Sarah Silverman's character in the film is is credited as raving bitch. So it's like I don't know. Um, oh my
3: god!
1: I, I'm telling you, and she's in the opening scene, and it does not end well for her. It's gross, but like Christopher wow. McQuarrie has a lot to answer for 20 years later, but um. Back to last Christmas, and um, yeah, so listen, she works in this store. She's she's jaded, she's cynical, she's unhealthy. You know, this is seen by uh, her eating a burger and having a beer on occasion. You know, heaven forfend. Henry Golding uh, shows up at a thin air, and he's he's whimsical. You know, he's he's sage like. He's literally dancing down the street like Fred Astaire. That's a bit odd. Um, so I guess real quick, at what point did we all figure out what was going on, Norma?
3: Um pretty like you want a timestamp <laughs> roughly yeah yeah roughly roughly and um i would say i i kind of like twigged it when he first brings her like had an idea of what i thought it was going to be when he first brings her to the homeless shelter and then when he brings her back to the apartment i was like okay i fully know what this is But I was prepared to be surprised. I genuinely, I did go into this with like really high hopes. I just decided that I'd been so negative last week and I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to go with the spirit of Christmas because I'd been reading a couple of interviews with Emma Thomas and... um, Emma Thompson, and she was just like, oh, you know, I just wanted to write something that was like joyous and celebratory and blah, blah, blah. Um, So I went into it with that. So I did try to suspend as as much of my belief as I could and just go with it. But yeah.
2: I think... I knew going into it that it, there was a, a twist. I think people, it would have been mentioned and it was kind of like, oh my God, the twist in this thing is kind of ridiculous. And then, you know, just listening to the song last Christmas, it's like, it was very obvious that there was going to be something to do with a heart and their heart been given. So yeah, I think after maybe the, maybe the second time uh, they're hanging out or maybe the start of the third time, it was like, yeah, this guy has never interacted with another human being. He's wearing yeah. the same
1: clothes all the time. He doesn't have a phone. Yeah. He's dancing out of people's way so they can't phase through him. Some,
3: <laughs> some people just like to lead a carefree life.
1: That's true. And like, like Henry Golding, I guess, sells it well. But yeah, I, it was about 15 to 20 minutes for me, Max. It was definitely the second time he showed up. And I remember, like, I don't, I can't recall if I actually read up on this film when it came out last year. It is possible that I did and maybe... Some part of it stayed in my brain, but for the most part, I didn't know going in. And I turned around to my housemates, Richard and Zara, who I was watching with. And I was like, I was like, uh, I was like I've i got like a theory about this. And I voiced my theory. And Richard was like, if you've ruined this film, he's he's, he's he's like, did you look it up? And I was like, no. I was like, I just, have you seen a film before? I'm like, it's like, like there's something out of place here. Uh, if you haven't figured out what we're talking about, uh, here's one more scene that might spell it out. This is... um. This is a bit later in the film when the two of them are kind of hanging out in a, a, not an abandoned apartment, but like it it appears to be someone else's and it's a big heart-to-heart moment.
3: They... ...took out my heart. They took it and... ...threw it away and I... ...and I don't know what they put back, but it felt... ...weird and different and strange and... ...and like I'd lost my most special part. And they kept telling me I was lucky to be alive. But I didn't feel alive, I just felt half dead. Come here. I was supposed to be special. I didn't ask to be, but they made me feel special when I was ill, and then I was special when I nearly died and had a transplant, but then they just expected me to be normal and get on with life.
0: There's no such thing as normal. It's a stupid word.
2: It does a lot of damage.
0: Nothing feels right. You're the
3: only. Person that makes me feel like I don't know, solid, like I exist.
1: Right, put that in the back pocket, yeah? We'll come back to that and uh, see if you can figure it out. Uh, Norma, is Amelia Clark a good actor, yes or no?
3: She is she's a she's a good actor. I she actually this so this is like her second rom-com. I never saw the other one she was in. I think it's you before me. It looked like a heap of trash. I didn't bother my whole watching it.
1: As opposed to this. Um, <laughs> as
3: opposed to this <laughs> absolute gem. Uh she is she I like she has a lot of charisma. She has a lot of charm. Um I th- I feel like she's got good ish comedic timing and stuff like that. Um I don't I don't know if her and Henry Golding have a lot of chemistry. I think they they seem like they're just two kind of likable people who happen to be in the same film, giving each other lines. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I enjoyed Kate. I found it very hard to to feel sorry for her at times or to even at times to relate to her. It was just... It was really, really tricky. It was just like this golden child who was meant to be amazing and then they just become self-destructive because of the pressure of it and then having been sick, she mentions being sick throughout. Though you never like see her at any point taking medication or anything like that and I don't know if that's meant to reflect the fact that she leads this hedonistic, sloppy lifestyle. It, uh, Yeah, I don't know if it I don't know if she's enough to carry it through, but she was enjoyable, I found.
2: I, yeah, I, th- I think the the jury's out in her a bit because she has only been in, you know, kind of a handful of movies. And I think because of her, her status in Game of Thrones that she's maybe been kind of put into some role, certainly like in the, in the blockbuster, like I'm thinking where, you know, she had the the kind of, the poison chalice of having to be sarah connor in like an absolutely god-awful terminator movie and it's like what well, this isn't really what you want um i think in this like she's kind of like done done a disservice by the fact that the script is like really really awful really really by the numbers um she makes a bloody good stab at it but i don't know if uh if 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 there's enough there and like I, I don't find her charming in this I mean I don't think the character is a particularly charming person I think she's a pretty in a lot of ways awful person um but one thing I've noticed is that like you know she's she's a great interviewee like when you when you know you get her in a chat show she seems really charming and she's like oh this person seems like kind of a a really fun person to be around and you know gregarious and you know bright and kind of bubbly and it's like that doesn't really appear in this movie, and in fairness, like maybe that's just the, the nature of the character. But you know, as 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 the movie progresses, she's supposed to be kind of, you know, becoming warmer as she's like setting up her, uh, you know, her play or her, you know, variety show for the homeless shelter, and she's kind of supposed to have that charm. I didn't really find it though. I felt like it was.
1: Um like it's really obvious from frame one. It's like this character needs to learn some lessons and by the end of the film they'll grow a bit and it's like everything from her, like her styling, like her hair is disgusting in this film and it's like this kind of like 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 roots heavy kind of like dyed blonde and like she's wearing this gross uh, leopard print Pat Butcher coat for almost the iteration of the film and I'm like, we get it. We get it, All you All right, know?
3: Dave, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but, but it's, there's it's nothing so... long with a knee-length... So excessive. <laughs> leopard print fur coat, okay? It's fucking cold. It's,
1: it's, it's very clearly used as a visual aid to be like, she's a mess.
2: And it's like, yeah, like, it's so broad. Everything is just it's like... the
3: running mascara indicates mess.
2: That's it's... I mean. The coat is fine, but the coat combines... There, there, there's, there's... There's one scene where it's like, you know, the coat is is totally fine in isolation but like it's it's they 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 dress her borderline insane in this movie like there's a scene where she's wearing the coat you know that pattern leopard print pattern with a flannel shirt and what looks like a kind of like a very like kind of like a nice a nightgown like underneath and then her like her shoes are you know for the most time she's got these like you know uh, velcro elf like green you know shoes it's like and then, you know, to, to to show at the end of the movie, she's, like, she's changed. It's like, you know, you mentioned the mascara, uh, Norma. It's like, the mascara is gone at the end of the movie. She's wearing, like, a nice summer dress with, like, a denim jacket and, you know, uh, her roots are gone. And it's like, oh, she's normal now. It's just, like yeah that 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 whole approach to it is like utterly ridiculous
1: as an actor as well i think the jury is still out i mean i agree with you she does seem like a very good personality and i enjoyed her being one of the first people to lead the charge from the game of thrones side basically admitting how crap the last season was as it was airing there's that great clip of her being like yeah best season ever and it's just like yeah she <laughs> clearly hated it um I feel like she probably hasn't found the right project post-Game of Thrones. I think, like, with a show like Game of Thrones uh, and with something like, you know, Star Wars and, say, like, Daisy Ridley or some of the other new actors, you're kind of in this weird position where, like, you're now... You now have these new stars that you have to do things with. And I don't know if, like, a Kit Harington, for example, I don't know if he is good enough to be, like, a top-leading man or if, like, does Amelia Clark just need another great TV show? I mean, like, like or can she make the leap to the big screen? She's fine in this. I mean, I didn't... I think the character is very problematic. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, there's a scene early on where she's like, she's crashing at a mate's gaff and she brings a guy home. Big fucking no, no! You don't do that. Like, that—that's that, just the height of disrespect. Uh, and then there's a worse bit later on when she outs her fucking sister to her family, which is just like that is like criminal behavior. Like, and and yet it's like, oh, you know, she's a bit a bit of a mess. I don't know.
2: Yeah, the the, the that that scene outing her sister is utterly utterly terrible because it's never you know it should that 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 scene should have like a really big weight to it because it's such a horrible uh disgusting thing to do to your sister um funnily enough like last christmas has something kind of starting a happiest season has something similar to that but like there's way more weight to it and it's like it's an actual plot point rather than just like oh she did this thing and then you know she learned some lessons by the end of the movie, and like you know, she left a nice bottle of wine outside her sister's door. So like you know, sorry, here's an Amarone. You know, knock yourself out. Um, just on on the on the sisters. Um, you know, I wonder does a does a Phoebe Waller Bridge have some <laughs> something to say about like the relationship here? Because you know, there's there is the thing about Kate being like a very kind of like poor version of. Of Fleabag and the relationship with her sister is kind of like, I don't know if it's because her sister looks like the sister in Fleabag as well a little bit that I was just like noticing kind of some similarities in their relationship. But this is just like, there's no depth to it. There's no, uh, there's nothing lived in about it. Um,
3: I love Fleabag and I have talked about it on an endless point with so many people. Like the sister Marta is quite clearly modelled on Claire from Fleabag. It's one hundred percent. It's the exact same sisterly setup. She even, I think, they're both lawyers. Is Claire a lawyer? She's at least like working for a firm, a really high up job. Is Snooty uptight? They have the exact, almost same haircut at the very beginning. It's just utterly ridiculous. I do not know what Emma Thompson and Bryony Kimmings. Or Greg Weiss thought they were doing Putting that in there Because it's so blatant And it's like Yeah, like That character is basically like Like sad PG version of Fleabag It's just wrapped up a little bit less messy But also takes all the heart out of it So it was just The whole sister thing for me I was like, I'm done I don't care all about this character, could not give two shits. Um, she, like, even at the end when they have, like, her girlfriend does get to come around to Christmas and suddenly they're all just like, oh, we're all just happy families now. It's all been wrapped up. And it's like, well, we were never given context for why the parents might not like her sister being a lesbian. So I don't know what the... The uh, emotional turnaround was for the parents. The parents are just like they're, they do these functional things they're sometimes part of the political plotline they're sometimes part of the like emotional one I, like the whole family situation is an utter mess as to what they're meant to represent or do to the plot
1: yeah the sister is also living in what appears to be like a townhouse that I gotta imagine retails for about like 7 million British pounds I'm like what the fuck uh, also yeah the family thing is a good jumping off point for our next clip which is them having dinner together and it's just like Emma Thompson's accent man Jesus Christ
3: yeah. and she's hey! Hey! Oh, yeah, where she I hey, <laughs> was so worried. Where you are? Huh? Um, <laughs> I was volunteering at a homeless shelter. What did it mean? It means helping, Mum. You? Yes, helping.
0: Yeah, i mm. <laughs> sure you were. And I just rescued an orphan from a burning car.
3: <clears throat> did I miss something? Oh, Wow. Oh, yeah, but hey, Marta, I'm sorry. The dinner to celebrate your promotion.
0: Second promotion. Great achievement.
3: Thank you, Dad. Now you are here, we <laughs> have creme I'm sorry. Uh, so. Seriously, Marta, I am sorry. It
0: doesn't matter. Well, thanks a lot, Mum. Your it. I'm all right, actually.
3: What's so is there something wrong with your favourite cake now? No, I'm just not hungry. There's always something, isn't there? Like, you're hungry, you're not hungry, you're tired, you're overexcited.
0: My
3: mm. Gosh, you're so tiresome, Katerina.
0: Oh, the Kurats, Mate, it's Kate! Hey, hey, hey,
3: hey, hey. <laughs> you taught her these
0: terrible words? Of course not! Do you actually even know what Nabi Antonukurats means? Yeah, I actually do. It means I will nail you to my dick. Yeah, I need that. Not dick, penis. Well, dick means penis. Dick means penis? Dick means penis. No, dick is our neighbor. It also means penis. Dick, our neighbour is called penis. Penis is penis. Penis is dick. Just That's stop saying dick word. and penis. It's just, I'm trying uh, to explain. Whatever, you know. Yeah. I'm just so
3: bored of your shit. Marta, stop. She's ill. She's not ill anymore,
1: man. She's not She's ill. She's not ill anymore. Do we reckon Emma Thompson's getting cancelled for that in about 10 years?
2: Yeah, like, it's it's very much uh, from the, the Borat Sagdief school of make speak like proper slav. <laughs> it's like, what? How... Yeah, like you said, like how how did you think that this was a good idea? Like, you know, I'm gonna it's so, so cartoonish. Um it, it's it seems like, you know, it is like kind of going for a very, very, very broad Eastern Europe, like the you know, the, the one remaining thing that people think they're thinking just kind of get away with uh get away with like doing. Yeah, I, I was like flabbergasted by this.
1: Okay, so um, let's pivot the other way. Henry Golding, uh, did he convince you as a leading man? I'll go with you first, Norma. What did you think of our of our dashing love interest?
3: Yeah, I, I. D- the- the film actually, like, it It felt shorter than what it was and it, it did move along at a particular pace. So he's actually only in what I felt like was a very short amount of the film. So I feel like the idea of, like, the leading man thing is almost misleading. Um, uh, because he's in just, like, actually not a lot of the film, I felt, and is quite functional with regard to what the twist is. Um, he was grand. He was absolutely fine. He was the this weird little fairy tale guy who came along to show her the air of her ways type thing. Like, I think he definitely comes out of it looking good and unscathed. But I don't particularly know why you would cast him above anyone else. And I think that's a problem I had with like a lot of the film. Any of those parts could have been played by anybody, and it it wouldn't have made that much of a difference
1: yeah i thought he was fine i really liked him in the gentleman actually i mean like his character is reprehensible as is every character in that film but i think he's one of the better things in it uh he's kind of as you say higgs meteoric rise some people are calling for him to be the next james bond how do you feel about that
2: yeah well i mean the thing i will say about henry golding is that he he fits a suit well um you know he like he's clearly very handsome kind of tall broad-shouldered you know he's dressed quite well in this, I suppose. In, in when you when you compare, uh, you know Tom to how to how Kate looks, he is statuesque both in kind of like his chiseled looks and like you know that he is just a very completely stationary <laughs> performer. You know his his background is as a presenter, and that's kind of a like crazy rotations was his first role. Yeah, it was the like only.
1: The travel, the travel show? show? On BBC, yeah. like, what the fuck? <laughs>
2: and he, he has a very kind of, uh, like, robotic in that, like, you know, if, you, if you're a presenter on a TV show, you have to know where your marks are, you have to know where to stand, you have to know where the camera is. Like, it's very, you know, there's very, like, formal things that you need to have nailed. And I feel like he does that without any of the kind of, like, you know, that's just kind of, like, a, a kind of a given. That's not what uh, people are good actors for. Like, oh, that guy, he knows how to hit his marks. Um, yeah, I so unconvinced uh by him i've actually seen like weirdly a lot of his movies because yeah i didn't really rate him in the gentleman um he pops up in a simple favor which is another paul feig movie um he's a little bit better than that uh he's a bit of a kind of a kind of a sociopath streak in him um didn't rate him at all in crazy Rotations. i'd be yeah i like i Who will be the next Bond is probably the most uninteresting conversation that exists in in movies, Uh, so you know, have at it Henry Uh, like, I'm still out here on Emily Blunt's mountain being like... give it to her I, so
1: yeah i mean ultimately i would probably agree with all that Functional, i think is a very good word for it as well as norma said uh there's one word about him that we haven't used yet so let's let's hear the big reveal of the film and then we can talk about it
0: you've probably figured it out because it's so fucking obvious <laughs> someone's here no, okay bye sorry it's been a mad day i'm andy yeah. <laughs> sorry i'm so casual well, that's okay. <laughs> it's just are you Mrs. Chalice
3: no no sorry
0: no I didn't think you were no (laughs) are
3: you waiting for Tom
0: Uh, I don't think so unless he's with you
3: no no I just came to find him oh
0: he will probably turn up so shall we get started then oh started on what just taking a little look right well I've looked and (laughs) there it is small but compact it's neat now, that's one of its selling points.
3: It's for sale.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, freehold this one, not for rental. Yeah.
3: That's why he keeps it so tidy. Oh,
0: yeah. There's no room for clutter here. But there is plenty of storage space. <laughs> Et voila! Ah, what have we got here? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. In the cupboard. No wonder it died. I'll give it to him, don't worry. Give it to who? Tom. Who's that, then?
3: Tom, who lives here, but is... Selling the flat?
0: No, no no-one lives here. It's been empty for months.
3: Maybe he was squatting.
0: Was there a squatter here? Oh, bloody hell! Um, Excuse my language. It's typical, that is. It's all that probate stuff that stops us from getting on with our jobs. Probate? Yeah, you know, when someone dies, it's a pain in the fundament. Who's died? My previous owner. Who? Uh, Someone Webster, I think. Youngish bloke. Sad, really. It was last Christmas, by all accounts.
1: You know, I'll tell you something, right? It's a nice twist on the been dead for 25 years thing when it's the flash that has been empty for a few months this time. That's right. Tom used to live there, but he doesn't anymore because he's dead. He's a ghost. (laughs) And it's just like, of course he's a fucking ghost. Nothing else could have happened. Nothing else could have made sense. It's
2: so obvious. And they drag it out for an hour and 20 minutes. And then they finally hit you with it um you you said the term he's a ghost now while i agree that he is dead is he a ghost or is she having a very 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 real mental breakdown which
1: is never addressed by the way and i find which that to be hugely problematic because it's clear that she's unhinged and could probably use a little bit of assistance and instead she just like learns to live with it and still sees him at the end of the movie it's like what the fuck is going on
2: So, so the thing about this is, like, um, you know, with it being a big twist, then uh, you know it wasn't in that clip there. But you you get to flash back to scenes earlier in the movie that get to like recontextualize what was actually happening. So, like, there's a scene early on in the movie where she's getting dressed in the street, and like Tom is uh, holding up a coat for her. But it's no, she was actually just like getting dressed in the street, and she was like eating eating her eating her burger and chips alone. And the implication is that. In the previous scene where like they have their kind of like heart to heart where she talks about um, having the heart transplant. And, you know, she's basically like, fuck me, basically in that scene. And he's like, no, 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 no. Has she broken into that apartment? You know, imagined this, this, you know, big scene together where, you know, she opens up her heart and tells him about everything. Like he touches her scar and he's like, oh, is this okay?" Then he like brings her to bed. Uh sings a lullaby to her and then like kisses her on the forehead and then he's like, Okay, I've gotta go. She's done all that by herself.
3: They kiss, don't they? They they kiss briefly what the fuck was going on? And they do it in the park. (laughs) So I'm like, because at one point it flashes back to her sitting in the park and she's quite clearly talking to no one. Like it actually shows her actively. It's not like she's just looking in empty space. It shows her going and blah, 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 and you can see there's no one beside her. So I'm like, was she just shifting the air? Like what was meant to, to be happening there? Like they do not explain it at all. It feels extremely erratic. And considering that you can tell from the outset what they were going to do with it, it, I don't know why they wouldn't feel like they needed to properly unpack it and then wrap it up actually better than what they did. Because it's just like that seems like really traumatic things that were happening to just be like, oh, cute. He was like with you in spirit because his heart is now in your chest. He also says a really fucking weird line where at the end of the film he was like, you were always going to have my heart one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that I'm probably paraphrasing And I was just like Does that mean he he's trying to intimate to her That like if he hadn't died And she hadn't gotten his heart Physically transplanted into her chest They would have fallen in love I don't know And it also just like begs the question of I was completely led astray By this being based on the song Because like I just kept in my mind being like, but it's based on the song, and surely she, it should be about this girl who falls for a guy, he cheats, I don't know, and then like she gave her heart away to this guy who just threw it out, blah 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 blah, whatever. And no, like like I think Higgs, you said earlier, it literally takes the last Christmas I gave you my heart, and that's it. I yeah, that yeah, that's it. That is the physical line that happens.
2: I thought that the implication when he said that you were always going to have my heart was that uh, if, if what happened between them didn't happen, that he was just going to stand outside their house and like, you know, like put his hand directly into his chest and pull it out and hold it up like a boombox, like uh, <laughs> and say anything. Yeah, it gets a
1: bit like a Suspiria remake at the end, though, doesn't it? It's just like like all this literal heart talk. Um, and also, yeah, because you get the, the whole thing, like as Higg says, right? there Are those flashback scenes to show you what's really going on, you know, Tyler Durden and Fight Club style? And because I figured it out so early what was happening, I was like, when she's getting changed and there's some builders walking by and they're like, Whoa, whoa, all right, love. Uh, it's like, I was like, Well, that's gonna be a scene, we're gonna get a flashback, and he's not there, and that's why they're staring at her. She's in an ice rink with him, and like some bloke uh, burst in, some security guard, and he's like, You can't be here. And I'm like, That's gonna be one, but she's gonna be on her own. And I was, and of course, they fucking were like, It's, it's, this isn't like, Oh man, I'm so smart. This is like, this is painfully obvious. Like, this is... Like, this just I, I don't know how it is, but man, like, the second time Henry Golding shows up and is doing his fucking, like, Gene Kelly thing, I'm like, yeah, okay, he's a ghost. There's no question here. Without, like, I, I I love it. It's so stupid. But I didn't hate it, you know? I was just like, I, I didn't... I gave it, like, it's one out of five. It's crap. But, like, it didn't infuriate me. I was just like, yeah, like, it's it's just silly and it feels like a waste of time. I don't know why. It apparently did really fucking well. Like, it made a shit ton of money, um, despite the critical... Battering, but it is kind of bizarre. Like, the happy ending is that she puts on her big show and you know, everyone's happy with, for her. But, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really know what the whole point of it was. I, I, do you think, do you think Emma Thompson and her writing partners like thought they were geniuses here? Like, do you think that they, they were like, this is, this is gold? We have, we, 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 oh man, this is genius.
2: I, I don't know if they would have been like patting themselves on the back over the twist. Um, I kind of feel like that that there might be something different between what the the script is and what the final product is because there's a lot of like there's a lot of loose threads in this. Like we kind of we mentioned Brexit and it's kind of like it's it's really shoehorned in there for a moment and then it kind of gets uh, it kind of gets referenced later on at like the dinner table and then that's kind of it and you know that there's this uh, kind of subplot about her kind of. Going to work in a homeless shelter and kind of meeting all the characters there and um you know, Emma Thompson is a very politically active person, um and all these things are kind of like admirable ideas to put into your movie, but like they're not in any way done justice um, you know, by they're not they're not stretched out, they're not considered, they're just like there are ideas, they're 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 loose threads hanging. Um, you know, we have another loose thread like Michelle Yeoh is in this movie. We haven't even talked about Michelle Yeoh. Who plays? I actually plays... like.
3: To be honest, I'd forgotten about it for a minute. Then I looked Jen at the dock, and I was like, "Oh fuck yeah, yeah. Santa!" Thing. I don't want
1: to because I feel really bad for Michelle Yeoh, who I like, and I'm like, "What is this character? What the fuck?"
2: Yeah, so she she plays Santa, um, who is the owner of the uh, you know the open all year Christmas shop that uh, the that Kate works in, and she's like super into Christmas and like that's fine and you're like okay this seems like a you know when you first meet her it's like you know she doesn't seem like she's going to be in this movie all that much but then it's like oh no we've got a subplot for her as well where there's this uh this kind of very odd uh odd German man who just kind of keeps coming in and you know is like very like nervous uh boy who has a a crush on a on a girl uh he ends up being just called boy which is Super creepy, you know Santa and boy, <laughs> um, and you know you have this whole storyline where like um, you know Case tries to be like the matchmaker and get them get them together, and they they bond over their love of Christmas and like weird Christmas orna- ornaments. Like I think at one stage he's like, "I brought you this gift." It's like is it a Christmas tree made at a sauerkraut or am I just like <laughs> combining you're longing,
1: you're longing to go to, 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 you're longing to, for to, your to, Germanic he, travels he, that you can't do, have this year he does
2: mention <laughs> sauerkraut a lot and He bre- it is like a weird gift it's like it would literally be like the equivalent of like what I was talking about earlier where it's like oh I have something for you it's like it's my actual uh, still beating heart in a lunch bag <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you're obsessed with this imagery <laughs> Jesus Christ uh, Is it like
3: that thing in the Simpsons who's the babysitter when she like grabs Bart's heart out of his chest and she's like you won't be needing this anymore It <laughs> kicks in a bit
1: alright Higgs hey, go on play the clip let's hear these two lovebirds together in the most fucking superfluous and weird subplot I've ever seen
0: Santa um,
3: I think I can take over from there because um, there's also someone here, a gentleman, who requires your specific assistance.
2: Yes, you can have a look. Think about it.
3: I'm going to show you to the even bigger nutcrackers round the corner. There's bigger nuts? For your big nuts. Here oh. we are. Have you come back for the gibbon?
0: Of all those things in my life, this is my best thing. What is? Christmas. Really? This is why I love to come in here.
3: I also love it. That is why I have this shop.
2: <sighs> yeah. <All right>. Well, <sighs> what, 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 what do you what do you say to that? Um, so that was a. Uh, like Michelle Yeoh, a a wonderful, wonderful actress, and uh, very
1: distinguished. Like, yeah. been in, like some incredible films. Like, was a Bond like performer. Like, I was gonna, I'm not going to call her a Bond girl because like her character is like every bit his equal, I guess, in Tomorrow Never Dies, or at least they tried. You, Kratosn <laughs> Tiger Hidden Dragon. I mean, like, what the fuck? And How then did this happen?
2: And then you have like uh, the, the the this the man who's playing boy is uh, Peter Morgen, who's like you know a very like established Danish actor who's in like Borgen if you watch Borgen and he's like worked with Lars von Trier and it's like what, what is going I have no idea what the point of this uh, subplot is like the other ones that I was complaining about that don't kind of like get really addressed enough like I could understand why they're there this is just like, really, really, really weird. Um, I feel bad. I feel bad for Michelle Yeoh. I hope she got paid.
3: <laughs> There's a very weird thing as well when she explains why she's called Santa and she's just like, oh, it's not my real name. Um, I just adapted it because I work in a Christmas shop, which seems completely and utterly unnecessary <laughs> to do. <laughs> and then she explains that. So in the version that I watched... She well, says the, that she the used fucking to...
1: fucking director's cut? Like, is there... Please okay, tell me so that. I
3: was just confused by this because when I looked up the film afterwards, on IMDb, there's a note. But in the version I watched, it's that she says when she worked in a pet shop, she went by the name Kitty. However, on IMDb, it's claiming that there's a version in which she says she worked in a bakery and went by Muffin or Muff wow and I didn't and I was like what version of the film was that fucking in did either of you watch that version
2: that was, that was the version I, I watched she says she worked <laughs> yeah she says she works in a yeah she said she worked in a a bakery no she said she worked in like countless shops and like the she she says yeah the pet shop and she was kitty I can't remember there was another one and then like it builds up to the oh, and I worked in a uh, in a bakery, and you know, I was called muffin, you know, muff for short, and that's supposed to be the big joke. Where did you go?
3: That in? was not Where? in the version I had.
1: I probably zoned out during that scene. I feel like they probably got wrapped over the knuckles for their depiction of of just Asian stereotypes and stuff in this movie because like it's just it's off the wall, and even the homeless stuff is very fucking like. I don't know guys and of course Emma Thompson's thing you're just like this is if anything like it probably got off light and probably didn't get quite dragged under the mud as it could have been Um, so George Michael I mean like it's primarily a George Michael almost almost exclusive soundtrack and you get like you know Faith pops up Freedom pops up so you're like well he's been being entertained by good music and Last Christmas is a banger I don't like Christmas I don't like Christmas songs but that's undeniable I will say I was devastated that Outside didn't pop up somewhere or Freak I was like how are they going to get those in and then they just don't bother so I was like okay
2: <laughs> well, well, well. Con- considering that that Cade that is, like, you know, very, very, very horny for Tom, um, I don't really want to know what the flashback scene of what actually was happening when, uh, you know, Outside was playing in this scene. <laughs> Such would a
3: good it, would, song, though. Would,
2: it's it's great. And, like, you know, could we not have got Careless Whisper in here? Um, yeah, it's weird. I don't think they really use the George Michael like catalog that well like I thought it would be incorporated quite well into it like Last Christmas pops up uh, I think like three times you get like the you know your traditional Last Christmas there's like a remix in it and then obviously she, she sings it towards the end but um, I thought that they might actually incorporate George Michael's music into it more where you know I wasn't looking for a full uh, you know sing true musical like Mama Mia or something but I thought that they could have done a lot more with it rather than it just being like this kind of just feels like background music. Um, you know, I think it deserves a lot more than that.
1: Was um was this the right song to adapt into a, a movie? The right Christmas song specifically. You're posing this question, Higgs, in our Google Doc, so I have to assume you have an alternate here. Do you?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, there's the obvious that you just do Fairy Tale New York to like completely throw more gasoline on the culture war that kind of pops its head <laughs> up every year. But I've got I've got one for you. It's called Driving Home for Christmas. Tom Hardy plays a Welsh building contractor overseeing the pour of concrete on Christmas Eve as he drives along, as he drives home on a long journey while being visited by ghosts of past, present and future over his hands-free kit.
1: <laughs> Who
2: says no?
3: Wow.
1: Wow. Can we, can we make That's that jandling. 85
3: minutes?
2: Nice and lean.
3: Yes. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> We're going to need to cut that down. Um, I thought it was such a useless waste of The idea of using George Michael's music, there's so much to be celebrated in him as an artist. And again, like they literally, with regard to the plot, like even them saying it's based on the song Last Christmas, like or loosely based is still a massive fucking push because like it doesn't Like Last Christmas Has a plot line Like the song Has a plot The music video Has a plot <laughs> <laughs> That to be honest If someone was like I'm gonna make a feature length film Of the music video Go on <laughs> Do it Did him um... um, did anyone did anyone hate
1: this? Like, you know, I, I didn't hate it. I was surprised at how little I hated it. Don't get me wrong, this is not a recommend, but I was like I just found it really like mostly inoffensive. Maybe it was the mood I was in. I, like maybe on another day I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna burn this thing to the ground. But I was just like, eh, like whatever, it's harmless, I think, ultimately.
2: I uh I'm not I'm not really a fan of the kind of the 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 movement within like movies of like kind of you know getting massive enjoyment out of really bad movies and like going out of your way to watch bad movies the kind of the room you know this is maybe on a par with that but that kind of side of movie watching but yeah like I mean it was terrible it is a one-star movie but like when the you know you you knew it was coming but like when they had the flashback scene like I was just like cackling so obnoxiously at how (laughs) terrible it was you know so I got like you know, some kind of, you know, cathartic enjoyment out of out of this. It wasn't like I oh, you know, I, I hated it true and true. I think maybe I laughed at um uh, at, at the lesbian pudding joke, you know. I think like within the context of it, like the the uh, you know, terrible accents and all, but I don't think it was like making fun of anyone except the person that it was the its mouth it was coming from. And that was kind of like oh that's kind of like moderately funny, but yeah. I didn't didn't hate it. Um like it actually it it looked kind of nice as a movie like it's if i want to give it some credit like uh london looks lovely around christmas time and it like it did have a very nice feel and like you know they shot on like really nice locations around covent garden and um, so i kind of enjoyed that like it, is that is that a fair thing to like get enjoyment from a movie like i liked watching them walk around street vendors with christmas lights on if that's all it takes for it to be moderately watchable, um, then, yeah, I guess it it succeeded.
1: Uh, Norma, this yeah. or Bill and Ted Face the Music, which is better? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <sighs> See, the thing, like, I would kind of fall on a similar thing in that, like I, abs- like, I didn't hate it. Again, I don't know whether I was just like, yeah, maybe I was just in a more charitable mood. Um... Or whether it was just like, yeah, the spirit of Christmas made it OK. Or the fact that it's got some George Michael songs in it that kind of brought it up a bit. But it was like, it was totally fine. And for the most part, inoffensive. It's an easy watch. It's an hour, 40 minutes. If I w- if you ask me right now which one I would go back into my living room and put on and rewatch, I would probably say Last Christmas
0: whoa
1: okay well that's that's all the endorsement this film needs thank you very much um next time on no popcorn it's not a film episode it's our end of year summary 2020 was obviously a difficult year for the world of cinema and movies but we're going to do our best to summarize it thusly Uh, um not sure when this episode will come out but um probably like around the start of the new year we'll see how we go over the holiday season uh here's a little audio taster of what to expect though What's that from then? Yeah, I don't know. We'll, I guess we'll see if we can figure it all out next time. Uh How are you feeling? <laughs> how are you feeling about the end of the year and talking about it?
3: Um I'm feeling okay. We clarified earlier in the week exactly the parameters that we're going to be working within. So we're going on the basis of Irish release dates of 2020. Yeah. So it will include some films from the start of the year. um, I won't say which ones. Well, I don't know. Are we leaving this yeah, all the, a mystery? Well, I guess well, there's we
1: are. A, There's always that weird hangover of like some films come out in the States in the last couple of weeks of December, but don't come out to Irish cinemas until January or February. And it's like, what grey area do they mm. live in? So we're like, so we it. It we out, can
3: in, we are including some films that I guess would have potentially won Oscars.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think ultimately year. if it came out between the 1st of January and the end of December 2020 in Ireland, whether in a cinema or via a streaming service it counts for us and Higgs as ever will have a list of uh, I guess adventurous categories for us to go through
2: and and thank God for that grey area because if we didn't have uh, the, these movies that were kind of released in like early January early February I feel like this would be a very very grim end of year show obviously uh, the pandemic has uh, really affected the movie industry and like not a lot has been released so we're quite lucky that we have we have that because otherwise I you know I don't know how I'd feel about having, like, bad boys for life in my top five movies of the year. Just by <laughs> really def- it was really good. It was really good. <laughs> it, it was, was a fine the film.
3: There was What's a problem? point where I didn't think we were going to be including them. So I had, like, I had to Google films released and just see if they were, like, if I'd even, like, watched anything. Because it's also, I guess, the struggle has been that, like, since cinema clo- cinema's closed... I felt like I hadn't actually watched a lot of 2020 films. I've also been watching a lot of TV as well. So I guess I'm still going at the wire. I'm How's that good. going, by the way? <laughs> really good. I'm halfway through season two and someone important has passed away. And it was uh, a to me. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, no. I was so no. shocked.
1: I know what you're talking about. It, it yeah. still hurts. It still upsets me. It didn't, it
3: didn't hurt me as much as it caught me by surprise <sighs>
1: yeah it does that on occasion um, so, uh... well look listen we'll see what, where we end up I, I feel like I've seen more 2020 films than I thought I did I was going through it on Letterboxd the other day and like it was like oh okay there actually was a bunch but how good was it I guess we'll find out that will probably arrive like I say, I'm not entirely sure probably like in the new year I guess we'll see what we can do um, apart from that it's end of year seasonal No encore around this time as well it's patreon.com slash if you want to support what we do it's been a hell of a year for the show Norma and Dave thank you both so much and thank you for subscribing rejecting us I guess thank you for suggesting that we did this last Christmas film I, I thought it was going to be worse I kind of wish it was a little bit worse than it was but it is terrible do not watch it and uh, yeah my name is Dave Hanrelly this has been The Popcorn there will be no Popcorn back again soon bye
2: this podcast is part of the Headstuff podcast network